1: I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And this is Star Talk. Colin Jost. Colin, welcome oh, to thank Star you. Talk it's Radio. It's great to be here, Neil. So uh, you wrote for Saturday Night Live some years ago. Do you I, still I've
2: been yeah, I've been there seven years now. So you're I'm, still there. Yeah, I'm still there. I'm one of the supervising writers there now, and uh, mm-hmm. it's been great. Yeah, it's been a good run. Excellent, excellent. And I did a little bit of homework on you. So you were
1: you were a comedian dude in college as well.
2: Yeah, I, I worked for this magazine called the Harvard Lampoon. This where, magazine like, called. This magazine called, okay. where you know Conan O'Brien and people started out, mm-hmm. and so I did that basically way more than I did any of my classes, including my including so my you, astronomy so class. You, so, you so you flunked out of school, is what you're telling yeah. me here? <laughs> okay.
1: All <laughs> like, the great I ones got, flunked I
2: out. I got through. I got through. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't Matt Damon it and and just leave early. But,
1: oh, you know, oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so we're in the cosmic queries part, and we just came off an entire hour on telescopes. And so we called from the internet. All ways that our listeners reach us by telephone, by, by Facebook, by tweets. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't seen any of these questions, but you've been reviewing them and just fire pff, away. Bring it on.
2: <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> uh, for you. This is great. Uh, so this is a, this first one's from Facebook. It's from a guy named Dominic Irizarry. And he wants to know, aside from the Arecibo Observatory and the VLA in New Mexico, are there any other large-scale operation radio telescopes in use today? And if so, what are we looking for or the scientists using them looking for aside from… SETI data, which I don't even know what SETI is. I Yes, you do that know what SETI.
1: Okay. So SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial
2: Intelligence. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Yes, got Yes, that's, that's just that. the acronym. Of course I knew that. Yes, of course. You would just – of course. I was, I was slow playing it.
1: Uh, so just to get people on the same page, the Arecibo Telescope is a single-dish radio telescope embedded in a natural crater. Near, I've been there.
2: I've seen it. It's pretty awesome. in the, the island of
1: Puerto Rico, yeah. and it's 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 an awesome. It's it's otherworldly, actually. Nothing in the area looks like I it, know. and you think it just landed from space. Uh, that telescope was uh, had sort of a cameo appearance in the film Contact. Right. That's right. where Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. Establish their love interest in each other. Right. As each sentence gets uttered, they get an inch closer to each other, and then cut to the next scene. They're undercovers together, in <laughs> bed. So that's what happens when you're hang out at telescope. Uh, <laughs> always, always. And the VLA, the Very Large Array telescope, that's a set of much smaller radio telescope dishes that are that are on tracks, and so this array can be expanded to be 14 miles across, or it can be compressed. And depending on the size, depending on the extent of these dishes on those tracks, will determine what your resolution is of what it is you're looking at.
2: And do those combine kind of Voltron style? They brilliantly combine in an
1: awesome feat of hardware and software. The signals from all those dishes combine to make a single image of what you're looking at. And the farther apart they are, the more uh, resolution you have for what it is you're looking at. You might say, well, why not always view things with a far apart configuration? The problem is it's not as sensitive when the dishes are far apart. When they're close together, you can hear – you can see dim radio signals. When they're far apart – You need a bright signal, but you can get very good detail about what's going on. So, those remain uh, uh, two of a few leading radio telescopes in the world. The one that's getting all the recent attention, however, is one called ALMA, the Atacama, which, uh, for the Atacama Desert, large array, Hmm. okay? Did I get all my uh, large millimeter array? Uh, ALMA, A-L-M-A, Atacama Large Millimeter Array. So. A millimeter is a wavelength of light just short of what we typically call radio waves. Millimeter light is microwaves.
0: Gotcha. And so
1: microwaves are – if you remember what a wavelength would look like, you draw a a, a crest in a trough. So the height of two – the distance between two consecutive crests, that's the wavelength. Right. Microwaves have anywhere between a millimeter and a centimeter typically – And beyond a centimeter, you go up to meters and things, that's radio waves. That's how we've divided the kingdom there. But in fact, it transitions smoothly from one to the other. But if you Google Alma, you'll find an extensive discussion of what it is we're targeting with this brand-newly, freshly-opened uh, Where rare. is
2: that? Which desert? That's
1: in Chile. As Chile. It's the Atacama Desert. Uh, gotcha. In fact, it's high altitude, and I think that the Atacama Desert has the record for the lowest rainfall of any place in the world—like wow. an inch a decade or so. I, I don't. I'm not going to dispute.
2: N- I'm not going to dispute it. Now <laughs> it's though. very
1: low. I, I don't know the exact number, but it is—you don't want to live there. All gotcha. Right? And that's important because water in the atmosphere interferes with microwaves we're trying to get from the universe. And so you want to go to the driest possible place you can. Hmm. And the Atacama Desert is just such a place. Oh, by the way, the fact that water interferes with microwaves, we exploit on the other end of this and make microwave ovens. Water as a major food additive, of course. Right. So there you have something you want to eat. You want to heat it up. It has water in it. You put it in a microwave cavity. You beam powerful microwaves across it. That water absorbs the microwaves and In it heat. heats,
2: and it wow. heats the food. See, I never knew. I just thought it was you know just, <laughs> just that ju- spinning plate it just <laughs> moved so fast that it just started. Bursting or people, into I
1: think three out of five people surveyed still say uh, <laughs> they nuclear use the nuke, nu- yeah. they nuke it. Yeah, they yeah. think it's something nuclear, and it's so not nuclear. It's it's ordinary microwaves. And but well, that's why the holes. If you look at the screen, uh, by the way, microwaves pass through glass, and all microwave ovens have a glass door. So right. what prevents them from coming out? Right. Look on the other side of the glass door, you'll see a mesh, a yeah. screen mesh. So that prevents it? Check the size of those holes, all right? If they are larger than, uh, uh, you know, if <laughs> it's, you, you don't want the hole to be larger than the, the size of the wavelength of the wavelength. microwaves. Otherwise, it'll pass right wow. on through.
2: But now, so there's no way of getting, a, if if, in, if it's, oh, they can't sneak in somehow, huh? If they hit at the right moment. In no, any,
1: any more than visible light can sneak through the wall of a room. Right. Uh, it's just not transparent to microwaves. Wow. A dish that, uh, a, a mesh that you could otherwise see through, using visible light with much smaller wavelength. Wow! Microwaves wow. can't make it through.
2: That's
1: great. Yeah, that's, so we got smart people, figuring smart engineers. You're listening to Star Talk. Stay tuned for another segment. Welcome back to Star Talk. Here's more of this week's episode. Well, so we're in the we're in the cosmic queries part of our telescope show, and we left off talking about microwaves yeah, and we, how they don't come out of your microwave oven. Because you ask, Where in the universe might you find microwaves? And, in fact, they're everywhere coming to us from the depths of space. But they also come from regions of the galaxy where stars are being born. So they help us map gas clouds, sort of the birth sack of – Star of, of stellar nurseries. And so
2: microwaves you mean are in the are they almost like in the way there's a big bang the big bang makes well, no, start the, over the, again in different the, areas? Yeah,
1: so the big bang births all the matter and energy in the universe, but right. now what do you going now what do you show for me lately? Right. So the matter and energy, we have gas clouds that condense and form galaxies and condense and form stars and planets and right. and people, right? So in there, different bands of light, including microwaves probe different parts of the universe. And for the longest while, we thought it was just visible light, you know, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. And then we realized, no, there's ultraviolet and X-rays and gamma rays and mm-hmm. and radio waves. The universe is trying to talk to us in more ways than our eyes can see, thus the birth of these this whole suite of telescopes. And so you asked, where, do, where are you going to get microwaves? So I was talking about ALMA, the Atacama Large Microwave Ar- right. Array. Uh, in everyday life, Microwaves are what is used for your cell phone communication. Most communications and everything they are microwaves, exactly. And the walkie-talkies are all microwaves. If you—if you had sensitivity to microwaves with your eyes, you—you can tune it. Let's say, if you tune them to microwaves and look around, first you'd be able to see through walls, because why else would your cell phone work inside of a room, unless the microwaves? can see we're getting, through the walls. We're getting through. Can get through, exactly. So the so moment is the, that
2: where x-ray – you know, there's x-ray vision, but should we be working on microwave vision?
1: Microwave vision is just as good as x-ray – in fact, it's better. It's better. Uh, we got to talk after this. We'll, we'll get, talk. Get, <laughs> yeah, some prototypes going. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so, um, so microwaves, if you tune into that and went by those cell phone towers, they'd be ablaze with light. They'd be the brightest things on the horizon. You wouldn't even see the streetlights. You'd be seeing the microwave towers, wow. and you see people walking on the phone as they go down the street. The whole the, the phone
2: would be a glow. Now, is there is there danger to that? Do we know?
1: There Do are we, people who would claim there is, but there is no reliable evidence to evidence, say yeah. to say so.
2: Right? Are you concerned at all, or not? No, not in the least. Oh, great. Yeah, good. I'm, then I'm I'm. Sick. In fact,
1: I sleep with all my cell phones, you know, all around
2: me. <laughs> so I know. I, know. <laughs> I end up doing not by choice, always. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a couple conversations with people who would have oh. thought they were going to continue, but then I was asleep. <laughs> what'd your
1: what'd your what did that night cost? Oh, on, yeah, your, on, on God, your credit in, card, in, yeah,
2: or in, in my personal account, life, yeah. Um, so what
1: other? You got other questions that came in? Yes, mm-hmm. here's
2: one from Facebook. It's from uh, Tim Guerin, Jr. And if you were on, he says, if you were on a livable planet near Deneb. I don't know. That's...
1: Deneb is one of the stars that traced the constellation Cygnus the Swan.
2: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. If you were on a livable planet near Deneb with a telescope looking toward Earth, would our sun be in a constellation? Can we, with our computer technology, visualize what the night sky would look like from that planet?
1: Totally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we've got three-dimensional coordinates of all the stars in the neighborhood out to, you know, several thousand light years. And so, oh, Yeah. You can transpose what the night sky would look like on any of the... By the way, it wouldn't have to be a livable planet.
2: Right. It you could just, be from any yeah, Just from, from any,
1: from any point in space. Yeah. You, uh, like, apparently, he wants to move. <laughs> yeah, I guess.
2: But he wants to know the view first. <laughs> the view. <laughs> it's, was he creating a real estate picture? Exactly, yeah. He's not looking at ones that don't have photos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, the nighttime view. So, I don't have off the top of my head what this part of the night sky would look like. Yeah. But what matters is not... What the constellation looks like, because... They never really look like what they're supposed to anyway. There's like three out of the 88 that sort of resemble what they're purported to be. To be, yeah, exactly. For example, do you know the constellation Apus? A-P-U-S? You ever hear of it? No, no, okay. I don't know. Okay, it's a bird of paradise, and it's got four stars in it. It's like somebody <laughs> is smoking something to call these these five stars a bird of paradise. Oh, All right, I, I'm not going there. So <laughs> you know what we did when we rebuilt the Hayden Planetarium? I had a in a, a fit of... Of, uh, I don't know. Of, of in a fit of irresponsibility, I thought to myself, you know what I want to do? I want to sneak into the the Star Ball and update all the constellations <laughs> to stuff that matters to us today. <laughs> you know, put in the sky the Prius. You know,
2: the <laughs> cell phone, the, the laptop. It's like two dots are a Prius. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. No. I mean, he's just why not? I or mean, just
2: make them box line. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, there are there. There's a constellation
2: called. Triangulum, which is just a triangle. We we got you already. They got real there, yeah. They
1: got so real as to be boring, right? So what's fun about the constellations of the ancients is that they're embedded within their their mythologies and their what mattered in their everyday lives. So so it's a window to the past and back then very few people were literate. So it was a, it was a way it was kind of the library books of the day. Right, right. You'd go out with people and you'd say, "Oh, here's Perseus and he saved Andromeda and Androm- you know, all the stories it's it's quite a bit of storytelling." So I'm thinking today well, it's time to up- update the constellations. Yeah. I, I think of uh, have uh, the ice cream cone. There's some that have V-shapes, and I like ice cream. And if cone is major, conus is minor, you know, we could do that.
2: <laughs> like a one scoop, two scoop? Exactly. Yeah. A yeah. two
1: scoop constellation, yeah. yeah. So who, who knows what they'll look like, but they'd be subject not so much to what they literally look like, but what the cultural imperative is for those who it's are – It's like
2: – yeah, it's like cloud gazing where you're just exactly. – It's reflecting your own personality as much as what It's very
1: seen. Rorschach, yes. yes.
2: Um, This next question I, I'm very curious about, too, is, it comes from Facebook from Brandon Fitzpatrick, and he asks, can amateur astronomers buy time on space telescopes? Who decides how the Hubble gets used and by whom? What about terrestrial observatories? Can you go and buy time, you know, rent time? Yeah,
1: excellent question. And the big ones, no. The big ones are all for professional mm-hmm. use, and even so, they're quite expensive. I mean, they're they're tens of thousands of dollars
2: a night even to, for, to run them for universities to rent. Out yeah, yeah,
1: universities that own them. Companies. you're paying for the physical plant, the maintenance. There are engineers there at all times. There's the food services. Right. You're living nocturnally on the mountaintop, and there's an entire support store. Somebody built the road to get to the mountaintop, yeah. so it costs money. And yeah. so even if they could afford it, they would not. It's not available to them unless they applied competitively for time. And there's something called the TAC, the Telescope Allocation Committee. Every telescope has it. Hmm. And usually quarterly or semi-annually, you apply for time. I want to use that telescope with this filter and that detector to observe this object for that long for this reason. That's all in your proposal. And so all the proposals get put on a table and the Telescope Allocation Committee reviews them, figures out how much total time is requested. Can it be wedged into the total time available? If not, they come at you and say, we're going to cut you in half. We're not going to give you time at all. We we like this one better than that one. We think this will be more fertile as a research path. And so this gets done in every time period. Some people get telescope time and others don't.
2: And is it a little bit bidding too, like money, or is it? Or is no, it, no, 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 no. It's no. all based on the scientific. It's, all, it's always
1: scientific. So you can't
2: be like, "I want to check out this girl." I, she. You know that would not, know, not work. That's right. less right. less uh, convincing. And
1: as far as I know, no one has bought their way onto it. Because plus, if you buy because your stu- your research isn't good, we know it. We'll know you're you're not. You can't hide if you're not good, right? Right. And so this is the self. The the self-checking that goes on in science as an enterprise, right? You can't – there's a limit to how long you can try to pull the wool over someone's eyes. Because you're incompetent. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's ultimately still science. <laughs> we will still, we will so reveal this
1: fact. Uh, it, it, it cannot hide. So uh, the Hubble, what we talk about is what is the award rate of your applied time? Uh, depending on how competitive one cycle is versus another, uh, as many as two-thirds of all proposals won't get awarded time. Wow. And so then you try again and try to come up with a better idea. And that's how that goes. Now, there are other telescopes that are not on the frontier, but still exist and still have time available to them. And most of the big observatories have some telescopes where they give access to amateur astronomers. And so what you do is call the main office of the various observatories. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Stay tuned. More up next.
0: Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship from a ride on a boat roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa.
1: Welcome back. Here's more of Star Talk. So we are in the cosmic queries part of Star Talk Radio for the show on telescopes. And Colin, you just re- you just pulling these off the internet, off of Twitter. I haven't seen
2: any of these questions in advance. Uh, what do you have for me? Yeah, we were just talking about the Hubble uh, telescope, and and Brandon Fitzpatrick continues. He had a, another question about the Hubble, which is, is it possible to build a telescope on Earth that's just as good as the Hubble? So in what ways do telescope operators account for atmospheric distortion and... He wants to know is that going to be – when is that going to be retired and are there going to be plans for replacing it?
1: Yeah, first of all, that's an awesome question. But there there, there are several parts to that. Let me back up for a minute. It turns out data from the Hubble telescope, once it's obtained by the people who request it, they get to study it and analyze it in all the ways they had intended. Then the data gets posted and it essentially becomes public at that point. So while you can't apply – typically apply as an amateur to – Command the Hubble Telescope. You can actually apply to mine the pre-existing data. Maybe there's a question you could ask of those data that the original people had not considered
2: wow, for them. Exactly,
1: and it's and in fact we had big plans that fell a little short, but we had big plans of creating something called the National Virtual, the, the International Virtual Observatory, where all the data from all the telescopes would be in one place, and you say observe this part of the sky in these. Wavelength bands, and you'd go into the data and you'd send a worm through and it would find all the images taken in all the various wavelength bands you cared about and would find them in the repositories of data that hadn't been looked at for years, possibly, and it would bring it back to you, and you would have the chance to discover something that no one even thought to ask. Wow. And so it's called data mining, that's wow. what it's called. As, as a procedure. Now, in terms of Hubble, we have telescopes far more powerful than Hubble. Hubble is only 94 inches in diameter. Only, it's big. <laughs> uh, it's 94 inches in diameter. Uh, the Keck telescope, there's it, a pair of them in Hawaii. Those are 10 meters across. Uh, what's that in inches? It's... It's... Uh-huh. That would be. Yes.
2: Uh, I'm bad at this. 400 80 inches. 80 I'm million. Bad <laughs> this. I'm bad at estimating.
1: 400 <laughs> inches versus uh, <laughs> 90, 94 inches. So the Keck telescope can see much much dimmer things in the universe. The bigger your telescope is, the dimmer you can observe. Right. The advantage of Hubble being above the atmosphere is that the atmosphere renders the sharpness of images uh, fuzzy. And so you go above this fuzz layer, and then you see the universe as the universe intended to be viewed. Over the years, however, we've invoked special technology borrowed from the military that allows us to compensate for the fuzzying effects of the atmosphere. And it's called adaptive optics. Whoa. It will deform the shape of the mirror in real time with what it reads is going on in wow. the turbulent layers of the atmosphere and exactly compensates for it in a remarkable feat of engineering and software so that you can get very close to the sharpness of the images wow. that Hubble, like a would contact have lens or something, yeah, oh but yeah, that's right, constantly updating, constantly updating It's an wow. awesome bit of hardware that we now have called adaptive optics.
2: And so now, is that making telescopes like the ones in Hawaii it, getting it, you know it, to that it, level? It has
1: greatly uh, improved the usability of telescopes, or 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 given them a new lease on life. There are objects that were just too fuzzy to do any work with them, even though you were. Your telescope was big enough to detect them. You right. were detecting just something that was fuzzy. Now we can detect them, and we have sufficient it detail so
2: you know more about it. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. Interesting. Um, this next question uh, is from uh, Duray Pringle, Mr. Pringle, who had a, a great just one. Just the
1: same guy from uh, same from same from room, the, uh, but had, he's, okay. he's
2: multi. He's got a lot of topics on his mind. Duray Pringle line. is he related? I, want I to know. don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll <laughs> see. Um, he asks, "Do you think the James Webb Telescope will end up getting cut due to budget shortfalls?"
1: Yeah, n- not if I have anything to do with it. The- <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm kicking some congressional butt. If- Let's hope then this is the real Pringle. This is the Pringle family in there. He's, <laughs> yeah, the he's James Webb to chip in. Can I use that, Joe? Yeah, chip you. in. Very good. Yeah, Very thank good. You. Thank you. Uh, I'm professional. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Keep your distance from my professional <laughs> glow. <laughs> so uh, the question surely arose because the budget, there were cost overruns on the James Webb telescope, I mean, by a factor of four even. And there was great worry that Congress would just get fed up with this and cut the budget. And my response here is the James Webb telescope, which is going gonna, it's gonna, to, it's not going to just go in orbit around the Earth. It's going to go a million miles on the other side of the moon and we're going to park it there. Far away from Earth, far away from any contamination, and it's going to observe galaxies being born in the early universe. It's a telescope unlike any other and required extraordinary engineering innovations to make it happen. And I say if you're going to have a cost overrun on anything, let it not be the highway system you're building or anything else you've done a million times before. Why, why be surprised that if you encounter a cost overrun on something you have never even attempted right. that's going to advance human understanding of the universe? Right. You're listening to Star Talk. Stay tuned for another segment. Welcome back to Star Talk. Here's more of this week's episode. So, uh, you got questions. More on telescopes.
2: Yes. Uh, I had a question, too, because, you know, obviously Curiosity is now on Mars. and I was, Curiosity I, the rover, yes. That's the rover, yes. And um, I'm wondering what – is there any sort of opportunity there to establish – to build either a telescope or is there any sort of telescoping technology they're sending over with that? Does that help aid us in any way? No, not really. From that vantage point.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, Mars is a little farther out away from the sun. Right. But it's not so much closer to the rest of the universe that, that – gives us any kind of telescopic advantage. It's, so, no. And plus, you might ask, would we use a telescope to see our way just on Mars? That's not necessary. When you have a rover, you can just – <laughs> the rover got lazy when – hey, I'm just pulling out the telescopes on this one.
2: I think I'm just going to sit here. No, i are just going to sit. No, get off your duff. I
1: did travel all the
2: way here from Earth. Give me a second.
1: Give me a second. So, yeah, we just send it there and it's got tools to actually – um, uh, dig into the rocks and analyze the chemical composition of them. So that's something a telescope can't do. So yeah, when you're there,
2: tell, maybe forget, just do it in person. Forget tell. Yeah,
1: just 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 yeah, do it in person with your yeah. own damn
2: rock. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. So why well, watch pornography when you could have a girlfriend? Right. I mean, that's basically.
1: Oh, that would be the uh, uh, corollary to that theorem. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: I'm trying to take it, put it in real layman's terms. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Um. All right so this this next question is uh it comes from Google Plus from Paul Stewart and he's wondering we keep uh producing larger and larger telescopes is there any limit on how large they can be
1: No in fact we are we are taking it to we are we <laughs> That's what we're doing. So so check out well what, here, here what we're about to do. We're about to say, okay, the bigger the telescope, the more light it can collect. All right? That's It's like a bucket and you're trying to collect rain. The person with the bigger bucket collects more rain than the person with the little bucket mm-hmm. because we're passive receivers of light that comes from the universe. We can't hurry the light along. We can't go grab it before it gets here. We sit here and wait for it to reach us. Big telescopes – gather more light and see dimmer things. Not only that, the wider the telescope, the more precise, uh, the, the sharper the resolution will be for what it is it's observing.
2: Hmm. Why is that? Is it just oh, because you're getting you more information?
1: You, you have a much, uh, your angle of the, 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 so the way it works is the the wider your, the diameter of your detector. So, by the way, it doesn't have to be one solid detector, such as the VLA. VLA, You can be spread out. Then you have to be clever about how you combine them. So, the wider is that field of view, the, the smaller is the the angle that you can accurately observe on that object and the smaller that angle is the the better your is your resolution that's all so for example if you don't if you're not if you're not wearing your glasses but you should and you take a look at a lawn it'll just look like a green carpet yeah put on your glasses you see blades of grass mm-hmm. if you had even better resolution you'd see insects crawling uh, yeah. within it and then you could see the cells and then you could see so you can imagine having much better vision than even perfect human vision, and you'd see right on down to the threads and in the, in the fibers of the grass. So this is the challenge of big telescopes. You want a big telescope to, to accomplish this. The frontier of this is we're going to float telescopes in space and have a baseline that's wider than the diameter of the Earth. Well, chew on that. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Stay tuned. More
3: up next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom
1: Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices
0: on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? This episode is brought to you by Progressive
1: Here's more of Star StarTalk.
2: So we were talking about telescopes and we were talking about the size of telescopes and mm-hmm. so how that affects it. Size, right? uh, size matters. Size <laughs> In matters. Astrophysics. Yeah, yeah, it does matter. And now, Bigger pro- is better. What about material-wise? Like what it's created from? Oh, no, perfect. Does that- cl- here's the problem. There's a limit to
1: how big you can make a telescope on Earth because it's subject to gravity the 1G force of gravity. Structurally, that's why the largest radio telescope in the world is sitting in a crater that cradles it. The, the you huh. couldn't the size of that telescope is so large, you could not hold it up and steer it. In fact, it's an unsteerable telescope. You have to wait for stuff to drift into its field of view. This wow. is the Arecibo Radio yeah, Telescope right. in Puerto Rico. You have to wait for stuff to drift into its field of view just to observe it. Is it because the material is so heavy? No, it's that the, well... Not that the material itself is heavy, but the size of the structure is so unwieldy, given the gravitational forces that operate, that you just – we have no knowledge of materials that could sustain it. So, what we learned is, forget Earth's surface go into orbit where you have zero g. Right. And when you have zero g, the structural integrity of your materials is no longer relevant, hmm. not at least with regard to the stress of weight mm-hmm. because you're in, it still matters in terms of temperature fluctuations and things because it gets hot and cold as it goes in and out of Earth's shadow. But other than that, you can make structures that are otherwise unstable. In fact, the Hubble telescope if brought to Earth, would be unusable as a telescope because it is not structurally stable under its own weight. Wow. I never knew that. So, And not only that, uh, in terms of the detectors and the, um, the material that focuses the light, for regular light, you'd use glass. It's very reflective. It's a familiar surface that you put a silver coating on, and it reflects. Radio waves, don't, you don't need glass. You can just use wire mesh. You, the the hmm. the size of the hole in your surface just has to be smaller than the wavelength of light that you're trying to reflect. Interesting.
2: So That's all. Now was the Hubble was the Hubble built in finished in space? If it was structurally unsound. Oh here? no! No, sorry. So it was. Or it was just unusable. It was unusable. Gotcha. But as, it wouldn't have a, like fallen apart. <laughs> as a <laughs> okay. steerable telescope. I thought on it, it was like a couch that you have to build in the room or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, when it was opened up and the, and the solar panels were exposed, uh, then you have a zero-G telescope. The space station itself is, un- is structurally unstable. That's the thing of the size of a football field with, wow. with, with booms hanging out and solar panels and pieces screwed in together. There's no way that could sustain itself in any kind of force of gravity at all.
2: That's a nice, uh, yeah. That's a yeah. freeing thing. Um, this this question is from Facebook from Watson McKeel, and uh, the question is: Could there be, could there ever be such a thing as a gravity telescope, a device that could measure not the effects of gravity but gravity itself, or dark matter or dark energy telescope? And what would the universe look like through one of those devices? Okay,
1: so uh, it's an interesting question. Yeah, just to, to see the gravity field. Right now, we only know gravity by its influence on the movement of other objects, right? Right. So, in a sense, all the telescopes and the software and the detectors that have been brought to bear to discover exoplanets, in a way, those were gravity telescopes. We were observing the response of the host star to the tugging upon it of the planet in orbit around it. Mm -hmm. So, we're observing the effects
2: of gravity through the light emitted by the host star, and so, this is—is is this almost asking—is there a way to show the negative space? Yeah, right? the-
1: I, I don't know. We don't. We have no way. No, no. I don't know any way to to show that. Yeah. But we do have what are called. Uh, uh, there's the Laser Interferometric Gravity Wave Observatory, abbreviated LIGO, and that's a telescope that's to observe. That's a telescope to observe. Um, That's a telescope to observe ripples in the fabric of space and time that come our way. And this is predicted by Einstein. Einstein said there should be something called gravity waves. He was was ahead of of everything. Way. Maybe he came from the future into the past and showed up looking pretty cool. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I know. this Yeah,
2: Yeah, trivial. I guess, yeah, maybe the bears are going to win in 85. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. The bears. So (laughs) –
1: so – So what you have there is if two black holes collide, that's an awesome disturbance in the fabric of space-time. And that ripple moves through space, and it comes across the telescope. The telescope can then measure it. The birth of the universe itself has a gravitational signature these gravity-wave telescopes would be brought to bear to observe them. But otherwise, just to see gravity sitting there in empty space, I don't know of any way to do that.
2: And what about observing dark energy or
1: dark matter? Oh, well, we're again, we're observing the effects right. of dark ma- energy and
2: dark matter. And that's the effect of when you see the universe expanding. Exactly.
1: It's- thanks for listening to Star Talk Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Many thanks to our comedian, our guest, our experts, And I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Until next time, I bid you to keep looking up.
3: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
3: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate.
3: Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.